You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. y'all it's mella and we've got another great dialogue for you today with me is feng shui master interior designer and entrepreneur crystal home the founder of design life studio and the creator of the design life method mind body soul home using this method she helps soul driven female entrepreneurs design an office and life that they love Welcome to the podcast, Crystal. Thanks for being here. I am brimming with questions I want to ask you. (laughs) Hi, Mela. I'm so excited, too. (laughs) So I'm really intrigued by the idea of using space for inner transformation. I have told people a lot that decluttering, even if it's just decluttering your desk, actually makes space inside of you as well. But I I get the feeling that you go a little bit deeper than that. A lot. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your incentive to create the design life method. It really has been my journey. How I created the design life method has really been about my healing journey. The more I learn and the more I dove into the things I was passionate about, my sole purpose, right? The more it was, it just sort of came out of me. It's just been my own path um, in finding that 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 was what it took. Okay, so this uh, development actually came from personal experience then? Yes, yes, completely. How did that happen? What what would you like to share to tell us a little bit about your personal path to this? <laughs> well, I'm a feng shui expert, as you mentioned, and an interior designer and an entrepreneur. And all of those things literally go back to my childhood. I actually grew up in a really abusive home. One of my outlets was designing my Barbie dream home. Oh yeah. (laughs) My parents got divorced. And so I had that situation where, you know, gifts from one parent and you know, that whole thing. And one of them was a Barbie dream house. And I loved Mm -hmm. it. That was my thing. I played with it all the time. But my stepmom, when my father remarried, my stepmom was a gypsy witch. And she taught me about energy. She taught me about divination. She taught me all of those things when I was nine. So I sort of started my energy path journey way back then. And it was sort of meshed in there. My grandparents were entrepreneurs. I kind of always wanted to do, but I didn't, like, I didn't quite know how it would all mesh together. Mm -hmm. So along the way, it's like, I tried this business or that business or, you know, all these different things. And all of them were sort of in a healer modality, although I fought it like crazy, the healer. I had a high priestess at one point that I I was very, very close with. And she would always tell me, you know, embrace the healer, embrace the teacher. And I'd be like, no, (laughs) no, I don't want want to. to. (laughs) But it was really, I don't think I was ready to embrace my own healing. Mm. It, It took a while. But when I finally did, it also took all the things that I had learned about energy and and raising energy, manifesting with energy, everything that I had learned along my witchy journey (laughs) and my feng shui journey and my interior design journey all came together as one thing. And I injured myself. (laughs) It sort of all coalesced at one point in Hmm. time. I had started on my healing journey with the mindset sort of piece 
Mm -hmm. right? Healing the trauma from my childhood and still trying to build my own business um, and failing a lot. Mm. And then sort of, I had this injury at work that left me in a wheelchair mm. and unable to walk. Wow. And honestly, for me, I thought at that time, like, wow, this is the perfect time to start a company. <laughs> like, I'm at home <laughs> on bed rest. I should start a business, <laughs> right? Because, you know, there's nothing like putting your self-care absolutely last. Uh-huh. Even when you've been ordered by the doctor to mm. be on bed rest, I was still putting, I have to create this thing first. Mm. And it came down to this battle <laughs> with the insurance people because it was workman's comp. Hmm. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with workman's comp, but they are pretty clear that they're not going to pay for anything. Wow. <laughs> like that's I've heard stories. Yeah. Going in. That's just a fact with in, in workman's comp specifically. I mean, yeah. insurance, insurance own game, but workman's comp, they are determined to not hmm. pay anything. And, you know, I'd already had this whole lifetime of experience around not being worthy, right? Not being good enough being told how stupid I was and how undeserving I was and what an obligation I was and mm. what a burden and all of this stuff. So when it culminated at this point with battling these insurance people over my ability to walk, over my quality of wow. life, yeah. like there was nothing wrong with me other than I injured myself and they were mm. determined to prove me a liar which is a story that I've, you know, I've had a few times. And at this point was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to fight back. So I actually started my journey. I had been doing the mindset journey for a while. And then I started into the self-care part of healing mm. my physical body. Yeah. Because the injury I had is, is it required surgery to fix it. Mm. But it took me close to three years to get that surgery. So during that three years, my body just deteriorated to, I could do almost nothing. Wow. And my way of fighting back, I went back to what I knew. It was, I want to say close to six months after I'd injured myself. I was starting my business. I'd hired a coach, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then of all, th and I, I'd hired a person that I, I knew. I, I knew her, I followed her. And then like six months later, she hired me to design her space for her because wow. she was moving her offices. Mm. And I was like, okay, but I will only do this if, if we do feng shui, I'm not, I'm not doing <laughs> in, just interior design anymore. Yeah. I won't do it because feng shui is so important. It's, I won't. And so she agreed to go that route and we got to talking and it was funny because what she had said took me back to something that I had learned as an interior designer mm. when I when I worked in I worked in very high-end residential design at the towards the end the second half of my career the first half was all in model homes but the second oh, half wow. was in high-end residential and so when I worked in high-end residential mostly I worked with entrepreneurs mm. big ones you know I mean millionaire billionaire entrepreneurs and 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 their mindset was totally different, but the way they did things, the way they lived, the spaces they required inside of their spaces was different. Mm -hmm. And so when I was working with her and she was like, I'm going to need a space for yoga and I'm going to need a space for reading and I'm going to need a space for meditation and all, and it just sort of all 
was like, that's what I need. I need yoga and I need it like incorporated into my day. Like as part of my business, I need to incorporate my self-care because it sort of is a, you know, like you don't have all these lives to balance, right? You don't have a work life and a home life. You have a one life. You have to integrate and align. Right, right. (laughs) And that was sort of my moment of, oh, like Mm. I got it. And so I started, I was like, I'm going to do yoga because Mm. I've done it before. It's helped my body. Mm. If anything can help me, this will. And let's use feng shui to make sure that I am wholly empowered with every ounce of energy that my home can provide for me to boost it, (laughs) you know, to to boost my healing journey. Change the energy, really, right? Change the energy. And not only to change the energy, but to use the activity Mm. to also empower my other goal over here, right? Because. I'm a witch at my heart, so uh-huh. why not? I have business goals, I have healing goals, I have all of these things, so why not just mash it all together and, and make a whole system? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of when my system was born. <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, if I connect all of these dots together, it all just smoothly goes together, like all the mm-hmm. pieces of a puzzle create one big picture. And for me, that was my moment of, I understood the whole picture. And it's like, it was the end of this healing journey and the beginning of this healing (laughs) journey too, where it was like, now I came out of not knowing what I was doing to being very intentional, very on purpose. I could guide it. I could direct it. I could envision and, and go and reach the goal instead of just this, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I have to heal. Like, I know I have stuff that's in there that is just holding me back from all of these dreams that I wanted. My dream of having a successful business, my dream of having this whole life, of being this this person that was in my mind, but wasn't who I was. Like, nobody saw me that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely. And and so once that, once I had that sort of, like, I, I understood, like, the whole system. And so it was just like a, okay, well, let me try it and I'll do it. And then it was one more and one more. And I sort of just kept on developing, diving deeper and deeper into my own journey of, Mm. of healing myself. Yeah. Cause I think we are the only ones. I mean, that's, it's what we do first as wise women, (laughs) as witches, it's what we do is heal, but we have to heal ourselves first. The healer's journey and you have to, like the healer heal thyself. If you're not going to worry about healing yourself, why would anyone else want to listen to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned your kind of witchy path too, because that's going to connect well with the audience more as what feng shui, what does that have to do with being a witch? So I'm so glad that you mentioned that with the decluttering, for instance, Okay. There really does seem to be a spiritual connection to that um, and not just like the whole woo-woo thing. So do you feel that way? I do, 100%. And there's a reason. It's because it's not just that your home is your home, right? Mm -hmm. Your home is an energetic extension of you, Mm -hmm. right? So we don't just decorate our home as a reflection of our personality. Everything about our space is a reflection of who we are and what we believe. Mm. So when you're decluttering, 
you are in effect, you know, getting rid of, you are getting rid of stuff because along my journey, I know, like, I know, like I know that the mental and emotional trauma that we go through, it does get held in our physical bodies and it doesn't matter. It can be held in there for 40 plus years, Yeah, but it's in there. And it's connected to all of the things that you own. So when you declutter, it takes some of that emotion with it. Mm, yeah, I love that. I feel that way too. I've seen it happen in my life of getting rid of something. I was looking on your website and you talk about scarcity clutter, worthiness clutter, and obligation clutter. I am very familiar with obligation clutter, at least as far as my mind is understanding what that is, of having things that maybe I inherited from people or was given to me and I feel guilt if I got rid of it. And I have gotten rid of some of that where I've got to a point where I just could not have that any longer. And it was amazing, just the, almost like the release that I felt of being able to take that step and get rid of something just because it, it was not my style, I didn't feel a connection to it, and it did not matter that, you know, it belonged to my grandmother. Right. And and it's so, so important. That's a big part of the healing journey, too, mm. is that exact thing. That's beautiful that you were able to do that. I walk, that's one of the things I walk my clients through so often because mm. we can, there's always so much that we can let go of pretty freely, you know, but they're always comes those pieces of, I don't know how to let go of this thing. And that's yeah. the one that you need to talk through because the story that's attached to that one is so much deeper. That's what's embedded in there. And so the easier ones to let go of, but yes, definitely that is, that is how, that is the how of, of part of that healing for sure. There's a class that I teach uh, and I talk about death and dying in it. And I've taught it various places, traveled to retreats and done it. But part of the whole class that I teach is bring something that's meaningful to you. Don't bring junk. Don't bring something that you would normally get rid of, but bring something that's meaningful to you because you're going to give it to someone else in the workshop or at the class. Um, that has been very difficult for people because in a way what I teach is that is an, a way of uh, practicing dying because we push dying away and we don't have this any kind of feeling about what death is in our culture today. You know, it's, it's hidden from us. And so I'm teaching these people to practice dying, to meditate about dying, to get to where you can accept it as part of the cycle of life and death. But when it comes to, okay, instead of waiting until you have a will, bring something you love and give it away now, that is not something that people are comfortable with. Why, why do you think people hold on to stuff so much? Oh, wow. First, I love that this is an exercise and it's, and I love that you bring it up. I've actually been doing a lot of active work on death and dying lately mm. myself in my own journey, um, healing some of my trauma around that. So that has been an active part of the conversation that I've been having um, for the last uh, few weeks. So I love that mm. you bring that up. I, it, so much of it is around trauma, mm. why it's so hard we put attachments you know onto things in some ways we put our worth onto you know there's there's worth attachment there's scarcity stuff some of it's going to be all in there but it is all interconnected with it, it 
for some people it might just be harder, you know, especially if they had like a, a traumatic episode when they were a child or like for myself, I had a lot of things around having things taken away from me a lot, mm. even after I achieved it, you know, mm. like I can remember different things happening, you know, where I worked like I was 15 and I worked really hard to save up money to, to, to buy this pair of boots that I wanted. And I wanted them with everything that I had. And I worked for months to wow. save up the money for them, right? And right around Yule, they went on sale and I bought them for myself as a gift to myself. And in my family, I had a rather large family growing up. And so we would draw names and only do exchange with one sibling instead of all of us. Mm -hmm. We do that too. <laughs> right. And so I bought my sister a gift within the spending limit that my parents always regulated for us. Mm -hmm. And then I splurged and I bought something for me. I even went overboard on my sister and spent more than I was supposed to on her. And as soon as I was done and I bought the shoes and I was just joyous, like I was totally in this celebration of achievement, right? Yeah, yeah. And before we even left the mall, my parents had a screaming fit about my selfishness and what a horrible, horrible human I was wow. for buying this for myself when I was supposed to be spending my time buying something for, for my sister, which I had. And then they looked at that and of course, well, that's not good enough. Keep in mind, there's 11 year age gap between me and my sister. So I was 15 and she was four. Mm. And they were judging my gift to her as not being good enough and, and screaming at me for doing anything nice for myself. Wow. And now that's a trauma moment. Yeah. But as I've gotten old, it took away my joy. I never mm. even wore those boots. Wow. Not once did I ever wear those boots. It took away my joy. So now as an adult, when you want my favorite thing, that's a major sacrifice for me mm -hmm. to give up. Yeah. It's, it is like dying mm -hmm. because it's part of, it's like part of my soul. It's right. dead now. Like, but that's how you come into it. You have to overcome that right. act attitude because it's a difference. I, I read an article once about a woman who had, they were donating. I don't even remember what it was that they were going to donate. And I, and it struck me because my kids and I, oh, I always made my kids donate. We always did the decluttering thing constantly. Mm -hmm. And my son went through this of, you know, all the broken stuff. I want to give my broken stuff or the ripped stuff or the, <laughs> right. or the crappy stuff. And if I can make money on it, Hey, let me try to do that too. <laughs> but in this article, it was very clear. Like she had done it with her kids and it was a moment of, the she noticed what the kids were giving and it was just this clear aha moment of, I never taught my kids that you give generously. You give the mm. best of what you have because most of us are taught to give from scarcity, yeah. right? You give to everybody else first and you can have what's left over. Yeah. The truth is there's never anything left over, mm. right? So then you get nothing. So now when you're asking me to give up the important thing, now it's like I didn't give to myself at all. So it's a difference in you have to shift to giving from abundance of yeah. you give the best of what you have because there's always more. And I think that's the, that's the biggest part of the lesson. And I know that's what I work on with my clients so much mm -hmm. too, 
I think that's really important. And I know that I've seen that in my own life. You just have this idea of if I get rid of this or yeah, I haven't worn that in a year, but if I ever wanted it, I'm not going to have the money to, to buy it again. Like that's very common. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And scarcity runs so, so, so deep. I mean, it's not just in us as individuals. I mean, it's embedded in us as a society. I mean, you look at where we are right now with, right? And it's like, you don't, yeah. you don't want them to cut off like student loans because you paid like that's scarcity. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's a societal thing that comes and then it's a family thing. And then it's an individual, like it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I think that that's really at the heart of it. We need to learn something different. We need to mm. be, we need to come from someplace different, come yeah. from that place of generosity. But I think death is related to that in a way, right? We feel mm -hmm. like that's the end, that's scarcity. There's, but we've also been taught to fear it and to yeah. not, you know, like, well, we could talk about that all day. Oh right? yeah, we could. <laughs> we definitely could. That's a huge topic. <laughs> so Marie Kondo, I want to talk about something that kind of hit the witchy world. <laughs> yes. When she said that you should only keep around 30 books. I know a lot of witches and other people too, like went crazy just because, you know, I've got, I don't know how many books sitting here on the bookshelves beside me. I mean, people got heated about that. And I think mm -hmm. they might have taken that a little bit too literally. So can you speak on that to kind of calm some witches' minds? <laughs> well. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I have watched the Marie Kondo show. I have. And seen it. And I, I love how she, uh, she wants to come at it from the place of joy. Mm -hmm. Where she misses uh, the part is... We don't talk about the other side, the scarcity part or the mm. obligation and the worthiness part. And as far as books go, only books. Let's just talk books. Okay. <laughs> I think about that is, yes, we, we get an attachment to books, especially if we're readers. I think that's part of scarcity too. But I think that we hold on to books that we love long after we have incorporated them into our being mm. and similar to the death thing we don't want to let it go but it doesn't belong to you anymore it it, mm. it belongs to someone else someone else needs it I've got I used to I actually I had to go through the get ridding thing <laughs> and I went through this long time ago when I I moved overseas in 2008 and I had a six foot by six foot bookshelf <laughs> that was ball. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> getting rid of those books was one of the hardest things I ever had mm. to do because there were some that I'd never read. You know, there's oh, yeah. probably hundreds on there. There's probably a couple thousand books on this bookshelf, right? Mm. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but a good hundred of them I'd never read. Mm -hmm. Probably a hundred more I had read so many times they were already part of my being. Mm. But we don't want to let them go because we feel like it's part of our, we're letting but you're not, you, it's, it, you are that you don't need it anymore. Mm. And so it's a trusting thing. It's a scarcity thing. It's definitely, it's something I talk about with my clients a lot, <laughs> not mm. a lot, a lot, <laughs> because between books and crystals. And <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh -huh. yeah. rocks, 
I have bags full of rocks just all over my house. Right. We have to um, empty glass jars. I mean, if you're a witch, you got yes, empty yes, glass that's, jars. That's what I, was going to say. I had I had to. Well, and we're mobile. We picked up a couple of years ago and we just travel from place to place to place. So I keep a very small amount of things with us as we travel. And I had so many jars. I was just like, oh my God. and I couldn't just get rid of them. I was just like, I had, a, you know, like 50 jars after a long stint. We were in Washington for a few yeah. months and I was just like, I don't know what to do with these jars. I can't, I don't know anybody here to give them to, but I can't just yeah. throw them away. And uh -huh. so, yeah, I was just like in a total conundrum over like 50 jars that I just was like, we're going to have to take these to the Goodwill. Just because. That's so funny. <laughs> when we moved here, when I started pulling all the glass jars out of my cabinets before we moved to this house, and we had lived, we had raised our children at that other house so a long time at that house, <laughs> my husband just said, I am not moving boxes of empty glass jars. You are going to have to donate or recycle or something. So I've been trying to be really good. He, he's so proud of me when I actually recycle a glass jar now <laughs> and books awesome. too he got so tired of the books he said you're gonna have to put books in small boxes because i can't even lift them <laughs> lift the box oh yeah yeah that i've been there, <laughs> been there too. <laughs> in house magic by ariana she talks about feng shui, and she's talking in this chapter about your bedroom. She says, always keep your bedroom clear of clutter, especially the path from the door to the bed. And she says that it's not a good idea to keep too many books in the bedroom. It can be too stimulating for rest. Also, try not to put a TV or computer in the bedroom. If you have to put a TV or computer, be certain that it doesn't directly face the bed. It gives out the same negative energy as a mirror. So cover up the TV when it's not in use, either by keeping it in a cabinet or you can drape a scarf across of it and turn it off before you go to sleep. She also recommends not having a home office in your bedroom because it will keep you from getting rest. If you have no other choice, try to block the view to your desk from your bed by having some sort of screen or partition. She also says don't have exercise equipment in your bedroom because it will have the suggestion that you are always going to have to work on the relationship or that a relationship is too much work. So it's definitely something to think about. is one of the worst things that you see people do with interior design that might create some blocks in our life? Is there like a number one or top two things people do? We really mostly live out of instinct, right? Mm -hmm. I, I talked a little bit about living intentionally, but because our home is an extension of who we are, most people just sort of move in and it's it's all the same like even when you moved probably a lot of the same things went into the same rooms that they were in before mm -hmm. you know like if this picture was in the bedroom it stays in the bedroom it didn't mm -hmm. get moved to a different room yeah. and so your energy gets stagnant right mm -hmm. and in your space you're not 
mixing it up at all. It's just, we get in a rut with our stuff and don't move it. I think sometimes moving can be the best thing that we do. And in lieu of moving, decluttering is by far the best thing, right? Because that keeps the energy flowing. When we let the energy in our space stagnate, it doesn't, then all the energy in our life stagnates. Hmm. And so I think, yeah, that's one. And we treat it like it's an afterthought. That's, Mm. that's kind of the other thing, right? But it's just a reflection of how we treat ourselves because like I say, it's an extension of you. So when you're treating your home as an afterthought, what you're really doing is treating yourself as an afterthought, right? So Mm. when you're not decluttering or you're not cleaning, but like trying to work through the mess. Yeah. I don't know about you. I cannot work through the mess. I remember when I was in college trying to work through the mess and it would be like, I just, I would get to a point where I'm just like, I can't think anymore. And I have to, <laughs> I have, I mean, just, you just drop everything. And it's like, I got to clean yeah, because I just can't think anymore. But I think a lot of us become numb to it. Mm, yeah. And so then everything is stagnant. And then we wonder why our business struggles. Mm, like, point. why aren't we making money? Why aren't we having as many clients as we want? Why are the ideas not flowing? Why is the, why is it so hard to, to build an audience or to be seen as an expert or an industry leader in what we do? I think it's just, it's because of the energy is stagnant. The energy in our space is stagnant. So therefore the energy in our lives is stagnant because everything in your home will reflect what's happening in, you know, beyond that. So all of these cliches, you know, your home is your castle or, you know, this is your sanctuary from the world. What is it? What, what, do you really yeah. treat it like that? Like, do you really treat it like this is your castle? Is it, is it a hermit hut? <laughs> like, which are you? Are you a witch right. living in a castle? Are you a witch living in a hermit hut? Like, and it doesn't matter where you live. It matters that, you know, it's not about the size of your castle. Right. It's just, how do you treat it? Yeah. Because I've walked into friends' homes that are spotless mm-hmm. and they will still apologize. I'm sorry about the mess. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you see a difference then in designing an office space than you do designing your living space? No. I mean, I, I tend to focus on the office with my clients, but mm-hmm. we work on diff- multiple spaces because they're all important. Okay. So maybe the intention would be different. Yes, yes, the intention isn't different, but the reflection is the same, Mm. right? So if, like when I work with clients, we work specifically in their office because I work with entrepreneurs to help them with the feng shui so that it boosts the business as well as everything else, right? It's sort of, it's like casting spells for every client, right? We're manifesting (laughs) the energy in their office to boost their business space, right? Because if we get the energy flowing, in their space, the energy in their business will flow as well. That's really what feng shui is. Hmm. It's about the energy of your space and how you use it and how you manipulate it and harness it to achieve what you want. And so with my clients, because of who they are, that dictates why we focus in, in the office. But everything that I teach them in the office applies to every room in their house. Hmm. Okay. You're a feng shui master. I think people get really 
overwhelmed when they start digging into feng shui. So do you have any practical tips that the listeners can take away of something that they could do to incorporate feng shui principles? <laughs> there's so much to it. <laughs> there's, so, there's so much to it. Some very practical things. A lot of them I've already said throughout the day because feng shui is just the study of your relationship with your space. Right? There's a lot of technical stuff to it. There's a lot of, you know, math and science and whatever if you want to get really, really technical. But the simple fact is it's all about your relationship with your space. Yeah. on one scale or another, your home, your town, your state, your country, your globe, right? Feng Shui applies to all of it. So bring it down to just here, decluttering, cleaning, showing love to your space. It's a great way to show love to yourself. Mm -hmm. Buy yourself some yeah. flowers, clean a closet, do, do something nice for your home, not as a, I have to clean, you know, yeah. stick a cleaning. But because it's, it is a way to self-care. It is a way mm -hmm. to love yourself. It's a way to show yourself that you love yourself because who doesn't like coming home to a clean house? You know, yeah. like, it, I don't know about you, but I grew up with the, oh, we're going on vacation. We have to clean because Absolutely. Yes. we want to come home <laughs> to a clean house. Like, yes. Okay. I'm that person. <laughs> right. But why do we wait till we're on vacation? Like, otherwise right. it's, it's always a chore, but it, again, it's a shift in perspective. It's, that's the biggest thing about transformation is you have to learn perspective. Mm. You can't transform with one perspective. You, mm -hmm. you have to be able to, right. You have to be able to see the other side of, yeah, yeah. to do it. So yeah, if you just start treating your home a little differently, you're going to start treating yourself a little differently. Same like when you clean and declutter, you feel that yeah, space yeah. that it's a hollowness, but it is a, it's an open hollowness. It's room for creation. That's right. And as, as women, that's our gift, right? That's we create, we don't, I mean, yeah. and the things we create, we birth, we create children, we create courses, we create businesses, we create systems. We cre we birth those things, mm -hmm. but we have to have room for them. You have to make that room for them by decluttering your space and your mindset and your calendar and like all yeah. the things. Yeah, right? that that is so important. And mm -hmm. if people are having trouble finding time or they're blocked with creativity, maybe they do need to declutter their home. Maybe that would clear up space inside of them. They do. Yes. It would create alignment. That's that's what it does. It creates mm -hmm. I call it soul and space alignment. It's alignment mm -hmm. between you and your home and soul is dual purpose for me, right? Soul is mm -hmm. me and my soul purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a, uh, that's what I call it. Soul and space alignment. Those are, it's me aligning with my space and my purpose. And mm -hmm. when I get those three pieces working together, it's a spell that won't fail. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> let, let me ask about sacred space. Um, my office mm. kind of doubles as I have my altar and different things. Any advice or tips for making a powerful sacred space that would include maybe an altar? Well, <laughs> come to my <laughs> class for one. I would do that. <laughs> come to my class because that's what we do in a soul and space alignment is we create that. Mm. I highly encourage it in your office. I feel like it, the best thing that you can do for your business is self-care, <laughs> multiple forms of it. You know, I have three or four different self-care practices that are all a part of my 
business day. So I highly encourage it to, to definitely have that practice. There's so much, like with an altar, I like to even use feng shui, use the Bagua map as a way to align what you're putting on your on mm. your altar, right? You can use it to empower the same way you would use your space. Again, it applies in, in large and small areas, whether it's yeah. a tabletop or a room or a whole home, like I said, or your whole town or your whole globe. Feng shui okay. can be applied to all of it because it's all about the alignment of the energy, right? Of space. The Bagua map has to do with directions, correct? Um, well, the, sort of. Okay. <laughs> sort of. Um, <laughs> it's, it does, but that's really for, that's a professional. If you're going to start looking at directions and stuff, you're getting into professional like the confusing part right <laughs> and it's not that it's confusing it, it is and it's not it's the that's the part that sort of like you just need somebody to teach you how to do mm. that that's that's math and science and just it's a it's a very logical system mm. but using it just as flow or as like a map of your space it doesn't relate to the directions as much as it just relates to the space that you're applying it to okay okay great I've always, and I don't know if this is something that you even deal with, but I've always heard that an ancestor altar should not be placed in your bedroom. Like that's the only altar that you really shouldn't have in your bedroom. Any ideas about an ancestor altar? And is that true? Is that something that comes from feng shui? I don't know so much that it comes from feng shui, but a little bit. But the bigger part would be just from a, your bedroom is very specific for its purpose, right? It's for yeah. sex. It's for sleeping. Right. And you don't necessarily want your parents to watch. Exactly. Or, to watch, or any exactly. of your parents to watch. Like, so I'm a big believer in if there's pictures even of any kind in your bedroom, they should literally only be of you and your partner. Hmm. I don't I don't believe in putting pictures of my family, not my children. Not, not, I don't want to look up in the middle of right. something intimate. And, and if you do, there might be a problem. There might be a right, different problem. I, <laughs> I think the same is kind of true for an ancestor altar because yeah. of its intention, right? Yeah. You're going there to communicate with your ancestors, but that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean your ancestors aren't there waiting for you to be like, come right. on, come on, I'm, I'm ready. But what if you're busy? Like now you just got, so I would probably keep that out. Like, but that's a personal thing too. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't like that energy. I think that energy yeah. of space should be dedicated to rest mm -hmm. and relaxation and pleasure. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of my thoughts about it too, is when I was reading from several people is, is that's not the place where your family or your ancestors would naturally congregate in your home. And that's not where you should have the altar. But of course, it's everybody's choice. That's just, you know, you got to think it through those type of things. I would think better in the kitchen or the living room. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I usually tell people or dining room. Right. Dining room. That's a good one too. They're not just your ancestors. I mean, yeah. if you have like, well, well, my kids are grown now, but like when I had an altar table, when my kids were little, they used it too. So it's yeah. I mean, sort of a, so if it's an ancestor altar, that would be something more for the whole family, I would think. So it would be yeah. more yeah. long in a public space more than a private 
unless you have a private specific and then it's Mm -hmm. you know I just thought of this idea if you are in the broom closet and people don't know or maybe you're living in someone else's home you could always have it in a closet or in a box and you pull it out when you want to work with it and then put it away again so for any listeners who are listening and saying but that's my only space that's kind of where I live there's always ways that you can kind of put that away just throw it out there I don't, yeah, I mean, if it's your only space, that's that's a different sort of story. Then it's a yeah, that's that's a very individual <laughs> sort of moment. But yeah, there's a lot of ways you can even if you're sharing space with somebody though. There's so many like hanging a shelf on the wall and right, just having some pictures. Right, we all know the the tools of how to substitute one thing for something else as a like it's right. It's not, <laughs> but a shelf with some pictures of your grandparents on it is shouldn't be all that suspicious i would right and even if you had a candle if you had a candle up there too i mean people would not necessarily say oh my god you've got an ancestor altar (laughs) and so does most people (laughs) I i love the idea that was in the paperwork that you sent me about using your space as a 3d vision board I know the powerful magic that comes from vision boards. I've used it myself. So I want to know more about this concept of using the space. And I I think a lot of the things you've talked about kind of go into that, but I want you to just really kind of let us know how it becomes this vision board. Sure. I think we've almost come full circle too, (laughs) because my method is mind, body, soul, home, and we're at the home part because I believe that design is for who you are becoming. I believe that with everything in my being, you are not designing for who you are today. And if you are, then that is part of what's holding you back. Because you understand that as of today is a result of everything that was up to now. But if you want to design, a vision board is all about who you're becoming, right? Mm -hmm. So we're designing for who is in the future. Because of your space is an extension of you and it is a reflection of you. If you design for the woman that you want to be, you kind of don't have any choice but to become that woman, right? Because you're going to have to be her even to step into the, into Mm. the being of it's reflected to you every day. You can't help but become that. So instead of just having a single vision board on your wall, Mm -hmm. when your whole space is reflective of this is who I want to be. This is who I am. This is what you don't have a choice but to become that woman the process will make you her Mm, that's powerful magic it's very powerful magic Mm. and that is what is so rewarding about about my work and what i do and why (laughs) i love it so much tell us about the offering the the promotion that you have that you're gifting to the listeners well i have a a five-step process to decluttering and I have it as a very simple download Mm -hmm. available that you can have for free. It's available on my website for you to download so that you can start decluttering with intention and with a proven system (laughs) that, you know, will get you to the end goal, right? To fulfill your purpose. So Mm -hmm. we're not just willy nilly throwing things out. You have a system Mm -hmm. to go through so that you are releasing and being able to let it go and then not have it resurface again (laughs) because that's the other part we run into is we declutter and then it all just shows back up (laughs) (laughs) 
That's wonderful. And I'll have the link in the show notes for that. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate you providing that. And I was looking through your blog and I felt called out by one of your blog titles. (laughs) And it said, what is it costing you to keep your skinny clothes? Because I do that. Oh, I do that so much. I've done it for so many years. I'm 49. So I've been doing it since I was a child, I think. It's really hard to give up clothes that you have this idea of just a few more pounds or I look so good in that. And I'm gonna be honest, I have trouble giving up clothes anyway. That's one of the things I get in trouble with my husband and my family. I will wear things till they have holes in them, literally holes in them. Mm -hmm. Keeping our skinny clothes, why don't we wanna do this? Because we don't trust. Mm. We don't trust that the universe will give us something that we love just as much. And a part of it is when we grow up hearing the crappy things, right? Mm -hmm. About what is wrong with us. Eventually we pick up that hammer and we start beating ourselves with it. Mm -hmm. And so for women, especially if it starts very young, this idea of your ideal weight and what your body should look like and the body image hatred that we are taught from a very, very young age. And that somehow skinny is what's perfect and ideal. And so part of how we beat ourselves up is keeping those clothes. Mm. Because you're still not there. You're still not there. You're still not there. You still have five more pounds to go. Your muffin top is still falling over the top of your pants. You're still not good enough. And that's why we keep them. Because it reinforces what we've learned. And that's the problem. That is, that is literally what I mean by our home is a reflection of us and what we believe. And so all of those things are what forces us to keep stuff. And, and it's not even a conscious thing. Yeah. It is not even a conscious thing. You're not aware that you're beating yourself up with these pants. Yeah. You think it's hope. Yeah. But you deserve something right now today that fits you and makes you feel beautiful and gorgeous and wonderful in the body you have. Not in the body you had when you were 20 or 18 or 35 or 45 or last month, right? We've all been in a pandemic for a year. (laughs) I've gained a couple pounds. (laughs) You know, it's because we don't love the body we have. We're still trying to change it to something different. Mm. And that's why we don't give it up. Yeah, that's why we don't give it up. That is, that kind of changes my whole concept of the things and I hope our listeners really take that to heart as well because that really does fit with everything else that you've been saying and just making our environment our home our space not only our vision board of what we want to see happen but to be uh, what we have inside of us as well and and our mindset and our spiritual world and everything so I love that so where can listeners find out more information about you Well, you can come to my website at crystalhome.com. And if you go to crystalhome.com forward slash, I always get it backwards. (laughs) The slash that's supposed to go there, it's declutter your mindset is where you can get the free gift that I have. But I'm also on all of the social media. Mostly I hang out on Facebook and Instagram. So Instagram is um, crystal.home and on Facebook, I'm at feng shui crystal. And so you can pretty much find me in those places. (laughs) Okay. And I'll link all that as well. 
I really, really appreciate that you took the time to be with us, Crystal. And wow, you have given us some really great tips, maybe even a new way of looking at things. I know that I've got a new way of looking at a lot of things. So y'all check out this beautiful gift that Crystal has given you. Five-step guide to declutter your mindset. And I really love it when y'all support our guests. Remember, if you reach out to them, tell them you heard about them on Bell, Book, and Candle. And remember that if you go to the podcast website, you can comment on this episode with your thoughts and your questions. And you could even send me a little voice message, which I might just use on a future episode. Y'all take care and be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.